0: Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language Podcast. Weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Bonjour. Hello. Hola. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. This is part five of a fascinating series where we've been talking all about the principles of language learning. Often in this show, we tend to dive into quite a lot of detail, specific cases. I take questions from from you guys and I answer them. And that's one of the things I most enjoy, actually, is hearing about different situations in different parts of the world. And, you know, um, being able to, to... to talk to those specific situations which is really really nice. But in this series with Lydia what we're doing is taking a step back and really taking a, a birds eye view over the whole p- language learning process and talking about the fundamental principles. You know, these things that really contribute to us, really make the difference when it comes to to learning a language, things that actually help us learn. I hope you've been enjoying the series so far. This is the last in the series. We are fast approaching episode 300 of the podcast. So I wonder what we'll do for that. I don't know yet. I should probably make a decision because we're not, we're not far off. Anyway, today in part five, we're going to be talking about one of the, that often gets very overlooked in discussions of language learning, making long-term learning a success. I have in the past learnt languages and then forgotten, forgotten them. And keeping a language up is difficult. You have to be um, you have to be very deliberate about it. You have to be disciplined. And often the thing that makes the difference between success and failure in language learning is just keeping going. So this episode is very important for you if you are somebody who is quite good at getting started, quite good at doing the studying, but never seems to make language learning or, the, or languages rather a an established part of your life. Before we get into that, I would like to thank the sponsors of the show italki of course where you can get professional language lessons over skype if there are things in the language that you're not sure about the grammar that's confusing you if you just want some structured lessons so that you can get out of your own head and have someone else hold you accountable then italki is a great place to find professional teachers who know what they're doing you can take lessons at a time that suits you over the internet which makes it very very convenient if you'd like to get a free lesson you can go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward free lesson. Okay, here we go with the last in the series of these conversations with Lydia Makova. Okay, welcome back. This is part five. We are we finally made it to the, the part five of this series. It's been absolutely fascinating so far. I'm here with Lydia Makova. Yeah, that's
1: mine. Nice, my nice pronunciation. Seat, you Thank, Thank you. you.
0: And um, people,
1: people struggle with it a lot, you know. It's it's a Slovak name, so.
0: Yeah, I'm c- continuing the stroll over here. We have covered all things language learning. It's been, really, been a really fascinating overview of the most important parts of language learning. And I think a lot of these, the things that we've covered are going to come as a surprise to people. Let's briefly recap what we talked about. So part one, the importance of motivation and, sorry, not motivation, mindset. The mindset and attitude moving into to, so starting learning a new language. Part two, we talked about prioritizing and time. In part three, we talked about how to actually learn, what content and what activities to, to use. Part four, we looked at speaking and when to start speaking. So what else is left? What is the final key to the, uh, the final piece of the puzzle?
1: Well, it's a big question of how do you keep this system, whatever has worked for you, long enough to actually see some results? And especially, how do you, how do you make sure you get to the result of really speaking the language fluently? Because it's nice to know that, you know, you should listen to podcasts and watch series and practice speaking. But is it is this doable long-term? You know, what is the system in learning? Because I think many people fail at that, don't they? Yeah. Like they well, do something useful, very efficient, but for a month. And, and, the, and the question is, so how long do I have to do this till I get there?
0: Well, yeah, so... How long do you have to do it until you get there? What's the
1: answer? <laughs> um, I know that many poly, most polyglots will not give you a, an answer or a number of hours, but I like to give a number of hours, even though it's not. Um, it's like it depends on a lot of variables. Of course, it depends on what your mother tongue is, how many other languages you speak, what th- language families they belong to. You know what language family you're learning now, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if we take like um, A European or a person speaking a European language, which means you know English, German, French, Spanish, etc., trying to learn another foreign language, which is in the European context, then I would say that it takes about about 500 hours till you get to a comfortable fluency level, which is for me a a B2 level, where you can use the language freely and um, you will not um, forget it easily. Let's say.
0: 500 hours, okay, so that's a good starting point. I imagine you wanna give a few caveats there yeah. and to contextualize that a bit. So let's start with the the, the, the concept of five, 500 hours. So what does that look like in terms of months and years, first of all, and mm-hmm. then what are the different things you need to take into account with that number?
1: Right, so um, to to give, to give people a clue of what it really means because 500 is uh, like, what, what does that really mean? In my case, I learn a new language every two years. And so it takes me about two years to learn a language, but I I have a lot of breaks in between. So let's say it's about one and a half, one or one and a half years of, of intensive language contact. By intensive, I mean one hour a day. I hardly ever learn more than one hour a day. So if I do that, that kind of brings me to roughly 500 hours. Um, again, roughly because what, you know, do you count when you just listen to something like not, not, you were not concentrated, but it was in the background, you know, does that count? And there's, there's a lot of variables how to, how to interpret it. But this number, by the way, is not something that I just came up with. I asked, um, Vlad Škultety, I I suppose you know him from the polyglot community. He has a, like a, he's a Slovak guy, has a famous video speaking a lot of languages on a really good level and he told me that when he when he wanted to learn russian very fast like he he only had 3 months before he applied for some university studies or something he learned he learned it in 3 months but he spent about 6 to 8 hours with it every day so you know when someone says like can you learn a language in 2 or 3 months well you can if you're ready to put so much so much work into it um and that brings us to about 500 hours so I believe this is this is a, a nice number just to have a rough idea uh, so that people don't expect that this will happen after 50 hours of learning. I don't, I don't know anyone who would learn a language really comfortably, fluently in 50 hours.
0: Okay, so 500 hours and we're talking about one hour a day taking us two years to get up to a comfortable fluency level. With, with breaks, with breaks. Not with, like every single day for two years oh. in a row. That would be crazy. Then how would that change then with... This, the linguistic distance of the language that you're learning because um i mean I, i'm guessing that from slovak to russian in the case of vlad there's some you know you've got some 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 crossover there with those sure. languages yeah similarly like when i with my italian project this summer there's a certain amount of crossover uh, from english it's not like you're you're not starting, you're not learning Martian, you know, it's, it's, right. you've got some pre-existing uh, context there. How does that, how do you think that number scales to learning very, very different languages? So, for example, English and Mandarin Chinese or French and Mongolian.
1: Mm. Well, I guess you're the right person to answer that. <laughs> yeah. You have experience learning such languages. I've only learned European languages so far and Swahili. Uh, which is not so extremely difficult, like it's very different, but it's not impossible to learn like i don't know how do you, how do you feel it changes Chinese uh,
0: Well, I would say it changes significantly
1: mm.
0: I mean, just to take chinese as an, as, a, as an example, you know you've got thousands and thousands of characters to learn you know, right. you, and I know you don't you know you don't necessarily have to learn to to read and write Chinese in order to to speak fluently. Uh, but really, if you're if you're being if you're undertaking a you know a serious study of the language, you want to you want to be literate in the language. You don't want to be able to not read anything. Um, similarly, with Japanese, you've got um, you know you've got uh, over two thousand kanji to learn Japanese. So, you, what you're talking about just in that task of learning to read, you know, you've got between six months to two years worth of pretty serious study just to learn the writing system yeah that's just for the writing system and on top of that you have to learn the language as well so i mean i would i would probably double or triple that time for a language like chinese or chinese or thai
1: that's what people tell me like i've asked a lot of polyglots who have experience learning a lot of european languages and non-european and they usually say it's maybe even three times as much Um, so if, if it takes you about two years to learn a European language, then Chinese or Arabic or something might take you five, six years even. Vlad actually told me it took it took him five or six years to learn really good Chinese. I mean, I, I don't know what he means by really good because he's like super good at Chinese. So maybe yeah. you know he aimed for a higher level than most people do. But yeah, it should be taken into consideration that this number that I've given is really for a European learning, European languages.
0: Yeah, and I'm also I think because of the linguistic differences, say, for example, English to Chinese, I think in, in order to really make headway, to make progress in, in, a, in, a, in a challenge like that, you've, you've got to up the intensity as well. I mean, doing an hour a day, yeah, that's fine. But, but often the harder something gets, the more intensively you, really, you need to actually study it to kind of break through that barrier. Uh, I don't know if you found that, in, in the past but I certainly found that sometimes you know with the harder something gets you know you've got to go through a some kind you've got to there's, there's a there's a pain barrier mm-hmm. I think and and sooner or later you've got to find a way to break through that pain barrier and that mm-hmm.
1: there's,
0: there's lots of different ways of doing that um you know you might but often for people it's a, it, it might be a case of you know you learn Chinese for a couple of years for example and then you go for like a three-month immersion trip or something and it's really hard but during that Experience of doing that really hard period where you're just like surrounded by Chinese twenty four hours a day. You you struggle and you struggle, but then at the end you come out of that the other side and you've learned a whole. You learn tons and tons of stuff.
1: Uh, I love that breakthrough moment. By the way, yeah.
0: But yeah, we're getting we're getting sidetracked here. So I think that's that's really helpful to have that to have Mm -hmm. this this reference point of of Mm five hundred hours. I think it's a good one. So continue.
1: Yeah. So. When people think about uh, when I say two years, like I really don't want people to think I learn it like nonstop. I don't make any breaks or anything like just to give you an example with my Swahili. uh, I've been learning it for 11 months now. But when I counted it, I really spent five months of that off, like not learning at all. Um, Because in my case, I had like two months of super high motivation. I love I love uh, learning and I enjoy it every morning and it's wonderful and I'm systematic. And then after two months, I'm just tired, you know? And I like I start to question why am I doing this anyway? And do I really need it? And it's a long way to go, and there's so many words I don't know, and so difficult grammar, etc. So after two months, my motivation usually goes down. My experience is that if I give it a month of a break and find some motivation to start again, then it's much more efficient for me than to try and force myself because it would be too difficult. So even if I spend five months out of 11 not learning, I still think that this was a wonderful almost a year of learning Swahili because I've gotten so much farther than I was at the beginning where I didn't know anything. So I just, I I, I wanted to mention this because to, to learn a language for two years doesn't mean you do it every single day, every you know, every week of the year. Uh, it's it's okay to take
0: breaks. Do you, you plan your breaks or do you just let your inspiration guide you? And then, no. you let your inspiration...
1: So, so you just... No, I, I go with the flow. So if I, if, if, I, if I didn't feel like I needed a break, I would like to continue. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the breaks are, like, should be planned because if you, especially if you are like, high on motivation, I think you shouldn't stop yourself just because, oh, this is supposed to be a break.
0: So then if you do just go with the flow, how do you avoid like, stopping for a while and then never starting again?
1: That's the thing. So before I stop in my regular system, I usually make plans for two months. I think a two-month period has proven in my case to be very, like, the perfect time because it's not too much. Like I can still ride on that motivation wave, and uh, it gets me somewhere. But before I get to the break period, where I say, okay, now this is really too much of work style or something else. I need to concentrate. I need to prioritize. I give myself a starting point, point before I start a break. And I think this is quite, quite important. So I say, okay, I'm going to take a week off, but I'm starting next Monday or, okay, I'm going to take it, you know, till Christmas or, you know, something like that. And on Christmas Eve, I'm going to start learning again. And I think if you don't have that starting point, if you don't put it in your calendar, then it's so difficult to decide on that day. Okay. Today I feel like learning because I never, after a break, I never feel like learning. I don't feel motivated. I don't feel excited about it. I, I, you know, I even hate it at some, at some points, but the moment I start doing it systematically, it improves always. And when I go like regularly every day, a little bit, the third day, I'm like, Ooh, let's learn some Swahili. So that's how it works for me. How do you, how you have it with motivation?
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm, 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 I always, yeah. I'm, I can't, I find it very difficult to, influence my own motivation you know i, I tend to see it in two ways i tend to see like two kinds of motivation Type number one is what you're just inspired i know you've been to japan and you think oh i want to learn japanese but then the second kind of motivation comes from when you're actually making progress yourself so when you're when you're doing the work every day and you see and you feel the progress that motivates you to work even more yes you know it's like you can people have the same experience um, going to the gym for example you know, you, can, the more you the more you work, the more you lose weight, the more you get in shape, and then the more you want to keep that going because you don't want to lose the progress you have. Right. So the, there are those times, right, where you, you just feel inspired and you want to start learning, but then you get motivated by the work that you do. The difficult time is when you kind of don't have either of those. You know, you, you don't feel inspired, so you stop. And because you stop your progress just feels like it's tanking and then you sometimes feel like you need an act of god to kind of raise yourself and get back on the horse and start start up again um and that can be really 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 tricky one of the mo- <laughs> one of the most common questions on the on the podcast actually that people leave for me is like how do i get back on the horse after three months or three years or 30 years off sometimes how do i start up again and i think really you just got to Force yourself to do it. Like it's like if you haven't been to the gym for you, you just got to get your ass down there, you know. Mm. And sometimes you just have to just give yourself a slap around the face and, and say, like just just bloody well do it, you know. Mm. And um, and then you know that that just the act of putting on your gym shoes and just getting in the gym, that small mm. act can just be the beginning of of everything else. But it can be really hard when you're in those. I, th- I think smart. this is
1: the hardest thing about learning a language. Yeah. I always say that I think, I think learning a language is simple, but it's not easy. It's just, it's not easy, you know? If, if, if it was, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would speak 10 languages, but it's not. Uh, this it takes some self-discipline and, and motivation to do, do, do that. So, um, yeah. But in my case, really what helps so much is, is having this plan and system. Like, I think it's scary. You if do try
0: you to your language. It just out. Do you literally say, right, I'm starting now and I'm doing this for two years and then I'm going to stop?
1: Yes. I mean, I, I never learn language while I'm learning the one I'm learning. So right now, I would love to learn Brazilian Portuguese. I, like, I really want to learn it for so long. But I don't because now my focus is on Swahili. And I don't really recommend to people to learn two languages at the same time because it's like building two houses at the same time. Like, yeah, you put the, the basic stone, the cornerstone, etc., on top of that, you put the walls and the roof, et cetera. But if you do just one here and one there, one here and one there, both the houses get built really slowly. So what I, what I like to do is really focus my attention on one language only for two years and maybe give 20% of my time for other languages, for you know keeping up with old languages. And and then after two years, I, I get a new project. I get excited about it. I get a lot of uh, input from various resources, and my mind is set on learning that language. then. So that helps for me a lot.
0: Have you ever started a two-year project and then you got to the end of those two years and you were not where you expected to be?
1: Mm, yes, it happened with one language. That was the Slovak Sign Language. But that was not really a language I would learn by myself because you can't. It's uh, The Slovak Sign Language is impossible to learn by yourself because there's no materials. Like Maybe the ASL is possible, the American one, but not the Slovak one for sure. So I had a course I had a teacher once once a week, and after two years, I was getting actually pretty good at it like between b one b two but uh, i didn't I didn't keep the language I didn't keep contact with it I lost it totally so those two years were um lost from the point of view of you know how many languages can I keep later on, but it was still super super rich in in the experience of learning a completely different language so
0: talk to me about the um the the island and the wave metaphor yeah. this is something that you've mentioned that uh, I think is really interesting so tell me mm-hmm. about that I,
1: I, love, I love to I love explain it in this way because I think it makes this whole idea very very clear this metaphor um, so people ask me how how long do I have to learn and and, and how, like when does it stop I, I don't want to learn the language forever you know with this one hour a day so where is it where does it really break and I love to explain it with the with the example of Castaway. Have you seen the movie with Tom Hanks? Oh. Uh, the guy who is left stranded on an island. Yeah, it's an <laughs> old one. It's like 2000, I think. But it's a really good one. It's like Robinson Crusoe with Tom Hanks, right? Yeah. So what he, what he does is he's left on this island and he wants to get out of the island. So he gets a little boat. He builds it and he tries to get away from it. But then there come the waves. And the first ones are pretty easy to handle because they're small, they're closer to the island. But then he keeps rowing. And um he keeps getting to the bigger waves. And the last wave away from the island always gets him back towards uh, the island. So he cannot get out of the island because of that last wave. And I like to think of language learning exactly in the same way. When you're starting to learn a language, you're isolated on this little island. You cannot speak to anyone else because you don't speak the language of the whole ocean around you. So what you need to do is to start rowing on your little boat and really, really uh, just do it systematically for two years, let's say, until you get across that last wave, which means a fluency, comfortable fluency level, a B2 level, where you can use it really comfortably, you don't have to think about it, it doesn't cost you a lot of energy, it doesn't cost other people a lot of energy to listen to you, it's not painful for them to listen to you, right? And then when you keep it on that level, when you cross that wave and keep it on that level, you will not, never be dragged back towards the island, so you'll never get to the zero level again. Does that make sense? Like you, you basically what you need to do is make sure you don't get, you don't stay in the area between the island and those in the wave area, which is what many people uh, get stuck with on their B1 level if they just go to some language courses and they then stop rowing, they they take a break, right, and their boat gets dragged towards the island and then they start learning again a little bit and then they get back. So if you don't really put a lot of effort into it into a certain period of time and get to the fluency level, you will easily lose the language completely
0: to zero level. I guess we could kind of map that onto three commonly understood uh, phases of language learning, right? So as a beginner, you, you're, you're on the beach, maybe a bit scared to get into the water. Right. And then when you're out in the waves, and you're trying to swim out, but the waves keep bringing you back in, that's... What's known as the intermediate plateau,
1: mm-hmm.
0: there's something that's a mountain you just can't get over, mm-hmm. and then finally, when you break through the surf and you're out into the ocean, that's where you've passed mm-hmm. the plateau and you're onto this 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 kind of B2 level, which all all polyglots I've ever spoken to have have defined as the moment where you know if you reach that B2 level, a real a real B2 level, yeah. which is
1: not a certificate from a language school B2 level, yeah, B2
0: level being uh, um, I mean, more the parallels would be kind of upper intermediate. I like to describe B2 as the stage where you can go to the pub with somebody and have a fun conversation without wanting to leave. Like that, yeah. That's kind of B2, you know? And,
1: and by the way, I like to tell people your your example of using this. I always say, as Ollie puts it, you know, the comfortable fluency level is, you know, being right. in the pub and enjoying yeah. that conversation. Without
0: without any awkwardness or like right. staring at each other. You know, he's having a fun conversation. Once you've reached that point... Yeah so those are the, uh, that that, that your, your metaphor is great because it's, it's uh, those those are three the three stages that people normally report you know trapped in the beginner stage yeah. trapped in the intermediate plateau and then finally free to just go off and And, and this also kind, of, kind of
1: explains like when you imagine the the person who wants to start swimming and is really excited about learning a new language, right? They just jump into the water and they're excited and they splash around and it's all fun. Very fun but, yeah. then, but then the, then the waves come and that's like, oh, there's a lot of grammar in the language. And Oh my God, I don't know so many words. And this is where you're in the waves and you're a little bit lost. But all it takes is just not, not look at the last wave which is like coming onto you, but just keep rowing patiently and you'll get there.
0: And you get out. Yeah row patiently and then you'll get there and then, you, then you're out in the ocean and then yeah. what happens
1: and then you can swim in the ocean you know you can see a lot of fish, yeah. and you're yeah. calm and you will not be dragged towards the island you can actually communicate with the whole ocean because you've learned a new language you know millions of people use the language
0: yeah from there you can go anywhere right you can yeah Paddle you, to your
1: the- connection because if you're If you are a a survivor on an island, you're very isolated because you don't speak any other language, right?
0: I think we've reached the limits of this metaphor. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) right, So we've covered how long it takes to learn language to that that mythical B2 level. We've talked about the fact that taking breaks are fine and even a healthy thing. We've talked about the importance of a plan in order to kind of give your learning a start and an end date. We've talked about learning two languages at once and the wisdom or, or otherwise of doing so. And we've talked about the island and the wave metaphor, uh, the point at which you don't lose that language anymore.
1: By, by the way, I love how you recap all of these. I think it's so useful for listeners, right? Maybe that's why you have so many fans and listeners because it's it's like you process it nicely for them. They don't need to take notes or anything you you know repeat all the important points nicely like that
0: thank you very much (laughs) site posting as it's known tell people tell people what you're going to tell them tell it to them and then tell them what you've told them them, right yeah very good (laughs) very one of the most useful frameworks actually i think i've ever 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 learned very help very helpful for doing these kind of things um online as well yeah well what can i say lydia it's been a it's been a journey uh, f-
1: almost a swim in the ocean
0: right like a swim in the ocean yeah i feel like i feel like we've left the beach we've struggled through the shark infested waters and we're we're now out in the middle of the ocean what's that film where the, the indian kid is stuck on a boat with a tiger reminds me of that so i don't know what, what, where what that am, leaves wait us. am i
1: the tiger or what
0: i don't know I'm, I'm trying to work that out i don't know where that leaves us metaphorically <laughs> but i
1: guess we'll we'll we'll, we'll find out Right then, where can people find out more about you? Um, they can learn more about me at my website which is languagementoring.com and also we have Facebook language mentoring and now even Instagram language mentoring and of course a YouTube channel. So feel free to, you know, subscribe to any of those if you if you like more tips from me and I'll be happy to hear from you. Also
0: we'll put links to all of those things in the descriptions for each of these videos. Thank you. Please uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe to Lydia's channel. I will put a, uh, put her face up here somewhere in at the end of this video. Also, please leave us a comment uh, below. Let us know what you most enjoyed about this uh, this, this series. And uh, Any questions for Lydia? I'm sure she'll be happy to come, come in and answer yeah, them. Definitely. Come back for a part six. Wow, mm-hmm. it's getting, getting seriously long. All right, Lydia, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate it. We've... Um, It's been fantastic to talk and to explore some of your ideas in uh, in more depth, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll do this again sometime.
1: Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it.
0: It's a short course, three days, it's completely free, and if you'd like to sign up for it, please go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash free memory course.